On this episode of Inside Boxing Live, we're at the halfway point of 2022. What a year it has been in the boxing world. I have built an esteemed panel to go over our mid-year awards. Rob Tebbett is here. Jake Donovan is here. We're going to break down everything we've seen from December right up until this past weekend. That was Bam Rodriguez's big win over at Rung Vasai. Let's get into it. Let's talk some boxing. What is up, my friends? It's another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Canobio. We're coming to you from our John Boy Media headquarters here in New York City. Can you believe we're halfway through 2022? Uh, I have a great show planned for you today. Rob Tebbett and Jake Donovan are here. We're going to go through what we've seen over this past six months. we got awards. we got Fighter of the Year, Male and Female, you know, uh, Knockout of the Year, Moment of the Year, Promoter of the Year, uh, Network of the Year. Bold predictions for the final six months. Um, this past weekend, we saw Bam Rodriguez do the damn thing, uh, stopping uh, Rung Visai, landed 66% of his power shots. It was just an astronomical performance. I mean, this guy right here, Bam Rodriguez, at 22 years old, is carving out uh, his path. And, you know, we talked to him last week on the show, and he's saying, my time is now. We're seeing this. This is something we saw in 2022, uh, whether it was Shakur Stevenson, you know, whether it was Devin Haney, uh, guys that are under the age of 25 saying, you know what, I'm not going to wait till I'm 30. I'm not going to wait to let these fights marinate. I'm going to go and get it now so I can get out of the sport with all my faculties so I can make the best fights in our prime. So that's a, a trend that we've seen in the first six months of the year. And I think that at the halfway point, seeing what Bam Rodriguez uh, did, the embodiment of what we've seen uh, in what's going on in boxing over the first couple uh, of months, I mean, you, you, you just can't deny the guy. Uh, it's, a, it's a great thing uh, that we're seeing in boxing. So there have been 17 either unified or undisputed fights so far in 2022. Six undisputed 11 unified fights so far this year. We have one champion in the male ranks, one face, one champion, one name, to quote Deontay Wilder, at 135, 154, and 168. Josh Taylor was stripped of one of his titles at one at 140. If you still want to recognize him as undisputed, uh, go right ahead. In women's division uh, of boxing, we have one champion at 135, 140, 160. In 168, and we're seeing the best fight the best more than not. You know this old adage of the oh, the best the best don't fight the best in box. We're not getting the best fights. No, we're getting the best fights. It's up to the promoters to keep it going uh, for the remainder of the year and on into uh, 2023. So, but before we get to Mr. Rob Tebbett and Jake Donovan and our panel for this episode, I got to tell you about Cushy Dreams. Cushy Dreams is back, sponsoring Inside Boxing Live. Stress, anxiety. Sleeping problems. Who does not have those problems right now? There is a, a something that you can help with those problems, and it's Cushy Dreams. Cushy Dreams is specializes in high-quality, legal cannabis, smokable Delta H, Delta 8, excuse me, THC. CBD has known to help with anxiety, inflammation, pain, pain relief without being rip-roaringly high. So you can go to you can smoke a CBD joint and go into work and be very productive and feel good. Uh, today, we have a special offer for you. Your first pre-roll uh, is free with code BOXING. 
That's CBD or Delta 8 for free. All you have to do is pay shipping. It's pre-rolled joints and organic hemp paper. Uh, they feature an even slow burn. They offer both indica and sativa strains, so you can pick the mood you want. You want to relax, you want to hustle, you want to create, you want peace, you want energy, you want to dream. You can do that with Cushy, Dream, uh, Cushy Dreams. They also have gummies on the way soon. That's huge. Pop a few of those in. Watch some boxing. So there's the offer. Go to CushyDreams.com. Use code BOXING at checkout, and you get your first CBD or Delta 8 pre-roll for free. Just all you have to do is pay shipping. Pre-rolls are usually $15, uh, so you get that uh, for free. And all you got to do is pay shipping with code BOXING. It is a great deal. CushyDreams.com. Now to our mid-year awards with Rob Tebbett and Jake Donovan. All right, my friends. I've assembled... A panel of well-distinguished boxing gentlemen here. I got Rob Tebbett, longtime boxing journalist, extraordinaire of the podcast and interview game, and Jake Donovan, senior writer, BoxingScene.com, BWA, vice president, all-around great guy. Can't wait to do this with you fellas. I can't believe that we're midway through the year. Uh, it's been a great year. Uh, boxing fans should not have a lot to complain about. I know boxing fans like to complain, uh, but it's been hard to complain, and we're going to go through our awards here. But first, I'll start with you, Mr. Rob, uh, over uh, across the pond. How's everything going? Uh, I feel like you're almost a regular on the show now. How's everything going? Yeah, everything's well. Thank you very much for having me as always, Dan. Always a pleasure to catch up with you. And of course, our esteemed Jake Donovan as well. Always a pleasure to chop up with a pair of you. But yeah, all good over here. Um, been a busy time, uh, but on, of course, both sides of the Atlantic. Um, yeah, all good. All good. Very much looking forward to a, a packed summer schedule. Hopefully the second half of the year is as good as the first half of the year or even better. Uh, but I think you're right. I think we've had a very good year so far in the sport. Lots of big fights, unified champions, undisputed champions, and hopefully lots more to come. Jake, um, before we get to our awards, you broke some news today. It uh, looks like the Tommy Fury, Jake Paul fight. This is this podcast will be coming out sometime on Thursday. Things can change. As of right now, the press conference is off. Uh, the fight is in a holding pattern. I was... Uh, a little upset to see that because I'm supposed to be heading to, to the presser, but that, that was some big news uh, that broke uh, this morning uh, via you. Right. Yeah, so obviously the press conference won't land in our most viral moments of the half year of boxing, unfortunately, <laughs> so I'm sure we'll get to that point. Um, I know the, the two sessions they had last year were both rather extraordinary, but um, yeah, fun stuff ahead. So hopefully Tommy can get this uh, issue shorted out, uh, sorted out because we do want to see Jake Paul fight an actual boxer. And Tommy Fury is probably the best option of anyone he is thinking of facing. So yeah, this fight is entering like Juan Ma Gamboa levels. We're just it's <laughs> marinating, it's marinating. It, it will it ever happen? I don't know. Uh, but as of right now, it's it's in a weird spot. The person I spoke with at Showtime said it's most likely might get moved off of August sixth. Things are moving back and forth. So uh, one way or another, we're, we're going to get that fight. That's for the second half of twenty twenty two. All right, fellas, we got a lot of categories here. Um, we got fighter of the year, both female and male. We got uh, fight of the year. We got knockout of the year, trainer of the year, promoter, network. I'm going to start uh, from the bottom and work our way up, and I'll start with you, Rob. What is your 2022 moment of the year? Uh, lots to choose from, as I touched upon when we uh, we did the intros. There's been a lot of big fights, a lot of, a lot of high-stakes fights, none more so, in my opinion, than Dimitri Bivol, uh, defeating the pound for pound, the consensus pound for pound number one in the world, Canelo Alvarez. 
Uh, I thought it was a masterful performance from Dimitri Bivol. He's somebody over the years who has kind of fought to the level of his opposition, whereas Canelo, of course, ran through 168 pounds seemingly with ease, became undisputed champion in a little over a year. And I felt like Dimitri Bivol had his night. Um, he he produced the performance that we'd, we'd all kind of seen that he was capable of. He'd had some very good wins over Joe Smith, Sullivan Barrera. You know, he, he boxed very, very well in those fights, but we hadn't really seen it on the grandest stage of all. And there is no grander stage than Cinco de Mayo against arguably the biggest star or, or, or certainly the biggest star in world boxing in Canelo Alvarez. For me, Dimitri Bivol beating Canelo Alvarez and beat him conclusively mm-hmm. on uh, Mexican, you know, the big Mexican holiday Cinco de Mayo, one of the two biggest spots of the year, was my moment of the year. Yeah, it's funny because I was with uh, Canelo this week for the build up to, to Triple G. And, you know, after the fight, he, he was kind of saying what a lot of fighters say after uh, they lose a fight. It's like, oh, I, I won. Uh, you know, I think I won that fight. But when he was asked uh, a few months after now, he says, you know what? It wasn't my night. I lost. That was a stunning moment. That was the moment uh, of the year, in my opinion, too. But uh, actually, it isn't because I have a different one. But it was a big moment in, in the sport, nonetheless, uh, when you see Canelo lose for the first time in over for eight years. We'll go to you, Jake Donovan, your 2022 moment of the year. All right. I actually... <laughs> have two one is kind of external to the ring but it affects the sport and i really wanted to get through just one day even one hour without talking about daniel canahan but the u.s sanctions imposed against him shutting down mtk and the global effect it's had on the sport that that's a massive uh moment of 2022 a lot of people just like are still uncertain i think you know just the depths of how this you know it it affects things right Mm -hmm. Right now, Tyson Fury is accused to not being able to travel to the U.S. That very clearly, it's taking the world out of world champion for him. His, the, you know, he keeps saying the rest of his career will probably be, you know, limited to the United Kingdom. He might not have a choice in the matter. So um, just anytime like fighters are in a position where they can't go to a certain country to defend their title, that's that's a massive impact on the sport. I mean, it's amazing that we're getting all the fights we are. But when you have stuff that kind of detracts from that, to me, like MTK, like the you know, the, the inroads they've made in the sport. And now they just suddenly had a closed shop like that. Pro Bellum is struggling to come out with all of this. That's, you know, it's a story that, you know, it happened two months ago and it's ongoing. I mean, even Tommy Fury, in my opinion, was inaccurately, you know, linked to that mess. But, you know, we're seeing like all these fighters, you know, now every time they have a visa trouble, you know, visa issue, it's like, are they linked to Canahan? You know, what's the real issue? So that's really impacted the sport. For me, though, um, I'm going to go to you and I were there, Dan, uh, just being at Madison Square Garden for Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano, just witnessing that atmosphere. It just like not, it was the one night like we, they, we stopped talking about women's boxing. It, right. we, you know, now we're talking about what women are capable of doing in boxing, especially, you know, not compared to men that they could, they could just do it on their own. It's not like, well, this is on this level, but, you know, the, the men's boxing is still here. They went head to head with a very significant fight, which, of course, Stevenson and Oscar Valdez. And that that's. I'm going to get to it later, but that that night is just, it was, you know, Eddie kept describing the whole week as a moment in time and it still exceeded everyone's expectations. We're still talking about that event two months later. It's to to me, I don't know if I'm ever going to cover an event as incredible as that one. It was something special. It was something that's something I like to look back to as my best moment in 2022 so far. Yeah. In the ring, that was outstanding. It it was like a, the whole week was like a fairy tale type of of scenario. And then it played out with in the ring to be one of the better fights I have ever seen uh, myself covering the sport, but the lead up to it was excellent. It exceeded the hype. As for your first moment of the year outside the ring with the MTK stuff, you know, that was interesting because the way it all went down 
when MTK closed up shop, it was on the fight week for Tyson Fury with their highest, you know, biggest client. I think, Rob, we were talking about that uh, when I had you on for, for that fight week for Tyson Fury. Dillian White felt – had like a cloud hanging over it because of that development. So the, I, I agree with you, Jake. Big-time moment outside of the ring. Those are, it doesn't always have to happen inside of the ring. Uh, we know that with boxing. There's so much politics, so much, uh, you know, just – extracurricular activities that happen outside of the sport. Uh, so I'm glad that you, that you touched on that. My moment of the year, fellas, Joe Cardenas KO of Kenichi Ogawa. Um, obviously, I didn't want to take your guys' picks, but for that moment, I mean, inside of that arena, for Joe Cardenas to win his first world title over a very good fighter and a, and a, and a champion in Ogawa and how he did it, not really known as a knockout artist, uh, just one of the best uh, knockout punches of the year, we'll get to that uh, uh, award as well. But that moment for me, it, it just showed everything that's right with boxing. The pure emotion that you saw from Joshua Boazzi, who who ran up onto the uh, ring apron and, you know, Eddie Hearn and all that. I mean, it just shows you that it's a global sport. And we saw a hell of a scene in Wales. That is uh, my moment of the year. We're going to move over to Network of the Year. And we're going to go to you, Rob. What do you got? Uh, well, I, I thought we were going to go the other way. So my, <laughs> my my network was going to go in with kind of the promoter. So uh, I think you'll find out who the promoter is by me picking the network. Mm. Network of the year, I'm going to go with ESPN. I think ESPN have put on some fantastic shows. Um, as, as the resident Brit over here, I am forced to stay up until ungodly hours to watch some shows. Um, I, I have found myself staying up for some pretty good ones that are on ESPN over in America. So that's always a good barometer. But I mean, I'm going to step on kind of promoter of the year here. Valdez Stevenson, Fury White, Haney Cambosos, Baturbiev Smith. You know, they... they, they endless you know, high level fights high stakes lots of belts on the line well-matched fights and they've by and large delivered as well um i know kind of haney cambosos wasn't the, the the fire and drama that certainly lopez cambosos was i mean it kind of i think it kind of depends on on what you like i i really enjoyed devin haney's performance at such a high stakes and high level uh so for me myself i will go for espn as network of the year yeah that was mine as well uh when you have three unified fights uh on regular espn uh, which is in a lot of homes with the build-up, you know, seeing Devin Haney on on first take, seeing him on SportsCenter, uh, Shakur Stevenson getting some of the biggest numbers we've seen this year in, in terms of, of ratings. Uh, then you throw in a, a unified fight at 175 pounds at Madison Square Garden, all on regular ESPN, which is a very big thing. If you want to throw in the fact Tyson Fury also did fight on ESPN, even though that was a pay-per-view. ESPN is having a very good year, uh, half year, I should say, and I would have to agree with you there. Jake, uh, what do you got? I, I I kept flipping in my head. ESPN Showtime, ESPN Showtime. I, I do have to edge it to ESPN, especially the month that they had. You know, again, we said Haney, you know, Cambosis, it didn't catch fire in the ring. That event was massive. Again, a lot of stuff going into that fight. Who was going to be there on, on Team Haney? Devin just rising to the occasion on the road and, you know, just completely shutting down George Cambosis, taking that title. That added to, you know, uh, better be a just explosive performance against Joe Smith. Everyone predicted that fight wasn't going to go 12 rounds. We all knew it was going to end in a knockout. We thought it was going to be maybe more competitive than it was. And better be just reminding the world that he is one of the best fighters in the world. That's for three belts. Uh, the Haney uh, Cambosis was undisputed. Again, going back to Stevenson's, you know, toward the force performance and what was supposed to be close to a 50-50 fight with Oscar Valdez. Just, you know, top ranks ability to deliver all those fights on ESPN. I guess 
more so ESPN's ability to deliver those fights on their linear network instead of just charging us a fee. Um, to me, they, in my opinion, they barely, barely edge out Showtime and especially getting Charlo Castaño over the line and, you know, having that undisputed championship on the network. And that did a massive rating as well. I, I want to say it was like the third, best, yeah. third most watched fight in the United States and Showtime's best since the pandemic. So right. Showtime is like all the way back now. I feel like they're content wise. They were always the ones that should have replaced HBO, but just they didn't have the, the numbers to, you know, cap, truly carry the torch. I feel like they're now all the way back to where we're getting that consistent coverage from them. So ESPN one, ES, uh, Showtime one, a but for the sake of you know picking one network, I'm, I'll make it a clean sweep and go with ESPN. Yeah, I, I can agree. I was with very that. similar as well ahead, with. Uh, uh, oh, sorry, Dan. Yeah, I was very similar with Jake. There, uh, Showtime was kind of was was in and around. It was between those two for me. If I'm going to go ahead and say it now, if we see Errol Spence versus Terence Crawford in the second half of 2022, then the end of year awards will be very, very interesting. Put it that way. It's interesting to think as a fan, you know, we, we cover the sport and I try to put myself in the shoes of a fan. Like thing with ESPN, that's just on regular ESPN. You don't have to fork over a, a pay-per-view, but the fight, it's, I, I feel like might be a little bit bigger on on Showtime, whether uh, we get that Spence versus Crawford fight. We know that's going to be a Showtime uh, pay-per-view. They're giving you a little bit of everything Showtime too. You're getting um, what we saw at 154 uh, for the last couple of years, uh, whether it's Sebastian Fondor at Erickson Lubin delivering one of the better fights of the year, the Charlo Castaño. If you're, you're a guy or a woman that likes Jake Paul, you're getting Jake Paul on the Showtime platform. So they are giving you a little bit of everything. But the fact that that ESPN is giving it to you for, I wouldn't say free, but it's coming across on your regular cable package is enough to edge it out. So that's a clean sweep for us uh, for Network of the Year. Promoter of the Year, are, are you guys going with top rank? I mean, that's how usually how it works. To promoter and Network of the Year are kind of tied in. I put down PBC uh, just just to for the sake of conversation. I feel like they may, may be giving us better fights or maybe more consistency than ESPN. I know ESPN likes to take off during college football season. That's later on uh, in the year, but I think Showtime doesn't have those restrictions. Maybe uh, PBC working with Fox, not so much, maybe a little bit more in the summer. Uh, for the sake of argument, I'm going to go with PBC as my uh, promoter of the year, mostly so people on Twitter don't call me a PBC hater. I'm going to go with you, Jake. You can <laughs> take it from to, here. <laughs> so I, I similar to you i'm gonna narrow it down specifically to tom brown um this guy has just you know in addition to all the great fights that pbc have put on he's been putting out fires seemingly at, at least once or twice a month sometimes every week there's you know multiple days i mean just the stuff he has to go through traveling the country and just all over the place just to get a lot of these events over the line they've had canceled events they've had fights where they thought were done and then the sanctioned bodies got in the way and they always just seem to find a way to get these fights over the line so you know, God bless Bob Arum, you know, 90 years old and, you know, just still going strong. We're not getting rid of him anytime soon. Um, again, it's a one, one, a situation. I, I'm going to give Tom Brown his shine here though, and say that he's the promoter of the half year. Tom Brown is an interesting guy, matchmaker that never really, I wouldn't say wanted to, or never really wanted to be a promoter. If you watch, go to these press <laughs> conferences, he's always in the way back. He's never in the yeah. forefront. You know, you got Eddie Hearn always in the forefront, all up in the videos. Tom Brown is all in the back, and because that's a matchmakers, this is what matchmakers are. That's like their DNA is to not really be in the forefront. But you're right, he does a lot of stuff behind the scenes that a lot of fight fans. Uh, don't know about putting out fire. That's not an easy job. Uh, and he is the de facto uh, promoter for the PBC and Jake Donovan's promoter of the year. How about you, Rob? 
I went with Top Rank. Uh, I, I did follow on from from kind of Network of the Year and Promoter mm-hmm. of the Year. I think Top Rank put on some, as have you know Tom Brown and, and PBC. Again, it was kind of between those. But for me, you know, Top Rank did Fury White in front of ninety thousand at Wembley. They also did a stadium in Australia. I know, obviously, it was it was kind of a an output deal with the Inoue Denair fight. But you know, they're doing big shows all around the world at a time where we're still kind of, well, I guess, we're flushing out the remains of COVID, um, e- even in the sport and. You know, I felt like top rank were my pick because of those things. And of course, the, the shows I was going to say, almost say at home there, but not at home um, in America, of course, Valdez Stevenson, Baturbiev Smith. Of course, the start of the year, we had Josh Taylor versus Jack Cattrall over on these shores as well. So I'm going to go for top rank. But again, shout out to, to Tom Brown and PBC. I think they are um, they're number two on my list. But again, when it comes to the end of the year, that may well change. Well. I think all the promoters have, have done their job this year. You know, Matchroom deserves a shout too. They're doing stuff all over uh, the world. I mean, now they're, they're opening up shop in Australia. They're going to be putting on a big fight in Saudi Arabia. They're doing fights in Wales. They're doing fights uh, in the UK. They're doing fights in the US. Not as many as we thought they were going to be, but there's no doubt that Matchroom has a f- global footprint. Uh, we we're seeing this this back and forth between LRB. And, and Eddie Hearn that, you know, it, it's it getting out of control, but you can't deny that all the promoters have done their job so far in this six months. That's why we're having a great year. Hopefully it, it, it's, it stays going. I mean, I don't think they can go backwards. I think they have established that 2022, this first six months, there's a general interest in the sport and all the promoters I feel like have done their job so far. We'll see what happens in the uh, the second half of, of the year. All right, we're going to move to the trainer of the first six months. I'm going to start it off. Uh, it's got to be Derek James, in my opinion. What he's done with Errol Spence, getting him back from the car wreck uh, and nurturing him along the way, both you know spiritually uh, and outside of the ring and then inside the ring. I thought his performance against Ugas was otherworldly, you know, throwing close to 80 punches around, uh, getting Errol Spence back into dominant fashion, and then also with, with Jermel Charlo. And then guys got two unified champions, uh, one of them undisputed, one of them on his way, potentially to becoming undisputed. Uh, Derek James is my promoter of the first six months. Robert Garcia could put a change into this one uh, by the end of the year, what he's doing with Bam Rodriguez, and if he can get Joshua uh, to beat Usyk. But uh, I'm going to go with Derek James. How about you, uh, Mr. Donovan? Yeah, look, I, I'm going to go one step further. If Derek James does not win UWA <laughs> Trainer of the Year, I am not only leaving the organization, I'm burning down the village. <laughs> this this is absolutely his year. He is far and away the, the Trainer of the Year. I, we, we don't need to waste too much time on this. Okay. Derek James. Thank you. Nice and succinct like that. How about you, Rob? <laughs> Yeah, it's the full house for Derek James. I thought Jamel Charlo was absolutely outstanding in the uh, Brian Castagna rematch. I thought he boxed with poise. I thought his footwork was very, very good. The best I've seen it. It was it ha- kind of had an air of inevitability, which I didn't expect it to have. I felt like Castagna edged the first fight. The adjustments that Jamel made in the second fight were, were absolutely outstanding. That was, for me, the performance of his career. And for Errol Spence against your Dennis Ugas, I felt like that was... If not his most impressive performance, then certainly the most impressive performance since he came over here and he beat Kel Brook for the IBF title all of those years ago. I thought he was excellent in that fight as well. And shout out for the work that he's done with Frank Martin as well. Of course, very impressive against Romero Duno. Um, been a big fan of Derek James for a long time. He was actually in you know my in my previous job. He was actually our um, our, our trainer of the year last year, and I, I've been a big admirer of his work over the last couple of years. But yeah, I felt like in particularly the Jamel Charlo win, I thought Jamel Charlo was outstanding in that rematch against Brian Castaño. 
Um, even though he, you know, he didn't always rubber stamp the rounds, you could kind of see where it was going and you could see the improvements that he'd made from the first fight. And that obviously speaks to Jamal Charlo as, as a fighter and also Derek James, of course, as a trainer. So yeah, clean sweep for Derek James. You know, one last thing on Derek James, the fact that he has these two high class fighters, two champions, Earl Spence and Jamal Charlo, and they both fight completely different styles. That right there is the the mark of a great trainer adapting to the fighter's strengths, working on those strengths, excelling. Spence throwing a million punches around. Uh, Jamel Charlo throwing the least amount of punches at 154, game-changing power. You know, Hats off to Derek James, great trainer, and doing great things in that Houston area with a lot of up-and-coming talent, too. So he could be on this list for a, a really long time. Knockout of the year. There are some good ones this year. Um, we'll start with you, Rob. What is your 2022 halfway point knockout of the year? I mean, you, you touched upon it earlier. For me, Joe Cordina's stoppage win over, over Kenichi Agao was sensational. Um, everybody, I think it's fair to say, expected that to be a hard fight for Joe Cordina. Agawa, very strong at the weight, imposing. Cordina's kind of blown hot and cold as a professional. We've all known about him over here since the amateurs. Very, very talented guy. Spent some time at lightweight before dropping down. Had hand injuries, kind of inactivity, and, and was up and down with his performances, you know, he'll either give you a first round blowout or an early stoppage or, you know, he's looked labored against Farouk Korbanov. Um, he wasn't at his best. Uh, the fight before he boxed Kenichi Ogawa, he again wasn't at his best. Mm-hmm. To train for as long as he has, to to be away from his family, he's of course from Wales. He trains in the, in the matchroom gym with Tony Sims, who I think is also doing fantastic work as a trainer. And to train and sacrifice for that length of time, for that one split second to make your career at home, stunning knockout that's been seen all the way around the world and nobody expected it nobody expected it i think uh, if anybody said that they expected a joe cordina early knockout i have to call bullshit because (laughs) i I just could not see that um and you know he really elevated himself to a point where you know people are looking at that shakur stevenson fight i think everybody looks at that fight and says shakur is a favorite rightly so for the for the stuff that he's done but Joe Cordina, you know, with that one failed swoop of the right hand, has, has really put himself into a, into a whole different stratosphere. So for me, on his biggest night in front of his home crowd, after everything that he's gone through in his career, has to be, in my opinion, for Joe Cordina. Uh, Joe Cordina's KO2 win over Kenichi Ogawa. Yeah, that was an oh shit moment. That was like jaw dropped. You know, we've all watched a lot of boxing. That was like, oh, wow. This is why we tune in every week. This is why you watch at four in the morning, Rob, and eat your giant pizzas. This is why we deal with the nonsense that we got to deal with, Jake Donovan. First moments like that. So that was an awesome moment. Uh, Jake, what's your uh, knockout of the year? Yeah, I, I have to agree with Rob on this one. So up until June 4th, I was like, there's no way in hell anything is going to top Lee Wood knocking Michael Wood, Michael Collin out of the ring, coming back to yeah. defend his type the way he did. That was my pick. But for everything that Rob touched on, it was like of all the scenarios you thought in the Joe Cardina Kenichi Ogawa fight, it's like he can outbox him. Maybe this is the fight where he gets exposed and Ogawa finally elevates his career. That not just knocking him out, but almost like not to compare either one of them to Roberto Duran and Tommy Hearns, but just like that oh shit moment in that, you know, so early in the fight. I, I, that to me, that's the tipping point. I know a guy getting clean knocked out of the ring and knocked out, you know, pretty much not knock, knocked out cold, but just, you know, Colin was done for the night. That's usually like, oh, okay, nothing's going to top that moment. But 
a knockout where you just completely don't expect that result to me that's always that's like the the one area where i'm like okay this this has to be it so i'm gonna go with cordina and ogawa as well yeah it's a two-door race in my opinion um you know tank and roly tank over roly was a nice knockout uh made the rounds viral we need that to happen in the sport so more eyeballs can be on it uh he delivered uh fury's one punch uh knockout over over dillian white also another uh there was a lot of eyeballs in that fight too so to get a decisive win uh, is nice. I'm going to go with Lee Wood in, in Mick Collin, not taking anything away from Joe Cardina. That's the reasons that Rob gave or why it was a amazing moment. But I've never seen anything like I saw with Collin in Wood uh, getting knocked out of the ring to end the fight in the 12th round, maybe down on the cards was Lee Wood. The fact that Collin fell into his dad and brother's arms, it was just theater. It was just theater. Uh, it, it was something... Uh, that just left you like astonished, and uh, that was a gr- raucous crowd. They had the the crowds separated by uh, rooting interest. It just had a lot going for. It. I know it's a secondary title uh, on the line, but still a, a big fight. Uh, you know, Mick Conlon was moments away. Maybe uh, I gotta take. I don't remember the scorecards, but from being a world champion, something that he set out to do. Uh, but Lee Wood got in the way of that night. And on a personal note, I was watching my uh, girlfriend doesn't watch boxing, never watched boxing. I just started dating. And that was the first fight she ever watched. And she was like, are they always like this? I was like, absolutely not. They're almost never like this. A guy flying out of the ring in a raucous crowd like that, never. Uh, so for personal reasons, I, I, that's my knockout of the year, Lee Wood, Mick Collin. But what Joe Cardin did was special uh, as well. All right, guys, we're getting into the, the nitty-gritty, the, the big ones. Uh, I'm going fight of the year, and I will uh, throw it to you, Rob. What is your 2022 fight of the year? I found this one quite difficult, actually. I think of all of the the categories, I found this the most difficult. Whether it was the best fight or not, I really enjoyed the most Sebastian Vondora versus Erickson Lubin. I really enjoyed that fight. I've I've been a big fan of both of them over the years, and I I really feel that the way that uh, Sebastian Vondora has been matched has been outstanding. I feel like he's been given great tests and great opportunities, and I felt like this was another one with um, Ericsson Lubin. Lubin, again, has rebuilt really well over the years since he got stopped in a round um, by Charlo. But it had a bit of everything. It kind of, I know it only went nine rounds, but it kind of had 15 rounds worth of action. There were so many punches. They exchanged knockdowns. We saw Fandora hurt for the first time, properly hurt and down. Lubin showed that, you know, he has... I think for for Lubin being knocked out in a round like he was by Charlo with everything that went into that fight and all of the, you know, the hype around it and him having to go away from that, you know, you went to the ring as one of the hottest prospects, you go out and you've been blown out in a round, having to rebuild that and the guts that he showed against Sebastian Fondora to keep coming back and keep weathering the storm. I mean, he wanted to carry on at the end of the fight and he absolutely could not go anymore. I mean, his face looked... Uh, it, it was a horrible, it looked like he'd been in a car crash. You know, it, it was a terrible, terrible look, but you know, it, it was nice to see him be pulled out of that fight and not go out on his back. I think like it, it kind of had a little bit of everything for me. I had, you know, big shots from mid range up, you know, I'm always, I'm always intrigued to see Sebastian Fundora fighting on the inside. And it's always a, it's one of the great sights in boxing to see him kind of getting in there and mixing it up. And 
it had a little bit of everything. I think that there probably will be fights or maybe has been fights. I mean, Conlon and Wood had that drama, of course, and lots of action. But for me, I thoroughly enjoyed that fight from the first bell until the end of it. So I'm going to go with that. But I am going to go for honourable mention to a fight that I watched not long ago. It was actually on the last MTK show um, I watched it on IFL TV. Sam Gilly versus Drew Brown. Um, and not ninth round stoppage win for Sam Gillian. That was one of the best fights that I've seen in a long, long time. Not at high, not as high stakes and at a higher level as Sebastian Bondora versus Ericsson Lubin. So that's going to be my number one, but an honourable mention to Sam Gillian's uh, ninth round stoppage win over Drew Brown. Jake? Yeah, you know, I mean, Rob and I, like I said, we're the two biggest Wire fans on the planet, so it's natural that we're agreeing on pretty much all these categories. But um, yeah, I had that, like, so I, I'm going to offer a disclaimer too. We, Dan, you and I are on the same page. Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano is going to be a very, very tough fight to, to stop, male or female. Um, lumping them all together, I kind of have that edging from Nora Lubin, but I just loved the constant momentum shifts in the, in the from Nora Lubin fight. Mm -hmm. And most of all, that Lubin was actually in a position where he was ahead on the scorecards. And if he somehow could continue those final three rounds, had one last shift, you know, somehow overcoming all that mess, he, he possibly won that fight. That's the, the thing I found the most remarkable is that Fundura overcame all that adversity, was down on the scorecards. Lubin looked the way he did, yet he was the one that was potentially going to win that fight, at least heading into the ninth round. So I'm going to edge them. Um, I, I still feel like Taylor Serrano, this is going to be the year, like if we lump male and female together, this is going to be the one year where we give it to, a, you know, a female fight. Just... Um, I, Fundora Lubin had more momentum shifts, but it was like Taylor early. Then Serrano came on, you know, almost had her knocked out. And it was one of those fights, like if it's a three-minute round, maybe she does knock her out. Then Taylor came back. Then Serrano nearly had her out again in the final 10 seconds. Um, oh I think just the magnitude of that event yeah. as well. I mean, it's the undisputed championship and no worse than two of the three best pound-for-pound -pound fighters on the planet giving us a fight like that. So that's I'm going to have Taylor Serrano barely edging yeah. uh, Fundora Lubin. Taylor Serrano is my fight of the first six months. Uh, because of the pressure that were on both these ladies, um, this was the fight for, for women's boxing. And if it turned out to be a somewhat dull fight, it probably would have set back the sport a little bit. But the fact that it over-delivered and the fact that it turned into a thriller, the fact that we're probably going to see a rematch, uh, maybe even three fights between uh, the two ladies, is that's why it's my fight of the year for the significance of it, for what it's going to do for women's boxing, pushing it forward. Uh, both women walking away with over a uh, million dollars, uh, purses, the sellout crowd, uh, just everything about it. Well, it just felt different than most fight weeks. It had a positive vibe around the fight week, and a positive vibe, almost like a celebration uh, on fight night. And then when they got in the ring and then they delivered in ways that we didn't even think imaginable, uh, just for the significance and what it all means, I'm going to go with uh, Taylor in Serrano. But, man, there have been some great fights this year. Well, an honorable mention goes to what we saw on January 1st, the very first day of the year on regular Fox before we got to the pay-per-view. Victor Faust and Iago Kaladze yeah. was the drunkest fight I've ever seen. <laughs> Five knockdowns, guys, in 15 minutes of action. It was only 32 combined punches landed. Landed. It was one of the most insane fights. It happened on January 1st, and I remember putting a video together, and a, a couple people in my comments were like, you know what? This might be an omen for 2022, like a good omen. This might mean we're going to have a great year. And I was like, I don't know, maybe. Maybe we won't. But that fight between <laughs> Victor Foss and Kaladze, Rob, that was just, just – it was just pure insanity. Yeah. It certainly was. It was one of those that, you know, when you're kind of 
gearing up for a big night, uh, staying up and watching the stateside stuff. That gives you that real, you know, you can have one less cup of coffee after you've watched something like that on the other card. It really, it really gives you that impetus. It's a very good shout. As soon as you started talking about it, I thought, oh, yeah. But obviously, first of the year, you kind of disregard it. But no, very good shout. That was a, that was a, a, an action-packed slugfest, to say the least. All right, fellas. Yeah. Male fighter of the year. Female fighter of the year. This is it. Our final category. I get female fighter of the year. I know Jake. You said you had a, a trick up your sleeve. I'm going with Katie Taylor because obviously it was my fight of the year uh, for everything it meant, and she won the fight. Uh, being there ringside in the moment, I thought that Amanda Serrano won. But when I watched it again, and when when you know the adrenaline came down a little bit, I had Katie Taylor slightly uh, winning that fight. But Katie Taylor. Uh, is my female fight of the year. There's been some some good performances. We're getting more bigger fights in the second half of 2022. Bumgarner and Meyer, uh, Shields, uh, and, and Savannah Marshall. Uh, Bumgarner has fought this year. Uh, Michaela Mayer has fought this year. You know, some of the lower weight uh, women have also fought this year. Not big fights yet. The biggest fight of the year was Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. So, therefore, I'm going to go with Katie Taylor as my female fight of the year. Jake, how about you? So, you know, I keep thinking about that fight and, and I mentioned this to you as well. That fight, like it was so competitive. I feel like both of them need to be on the ballot. But for the reasons you mentioned, like I was ringside. I was one of the few who actually had it a draw. A lot of people at ringside seem to have in press room, sorry, had it Katie Taylor winning the fight. A lot of fans and even a lot of fighters seem to have Amanda Serrano edging it. So the dispute around that final dis uh, decision, I, I feel like I can't give the winner of that fight the outright fighter of the re even with the magnitude of the fight. Okay. So I then bring it to two other fighters who really accomplished something this year. Marlon Esparza had, you know, her big breakout fight. She beat uh, the legendary, well, the legendary Japan, uh, Naoko Fujioka, to unify the uh, the flyweight division, the WBC, WBA titles, and become the lineal champion there. That was a very significant win. And I feel like she's taken great strides to move past that one loss to Sinicia Estrada, which has unfairly defined her career. I mean, this is an Olympic bronze medalist. You know, the first American female to win a, a, a medal in the Olympics. And then, you know, she's just come all the way back to championships that is in the pros. And I, I think when she fights Sinisia Strada, and I do believe we'll see a rematch, it's going to be a lot more competitive. And we're we're seeing like the examples, like just the strides she's making. She's made since that fight. So who I'm going with for my female fighter of the year is another undisputed champion on Taylor Serrano night. But it's not Taylor Serrano, but I'm going with Franchon Cruz Desarn. That was supposed to be a 50-50 fight with Ellen, Aline Sederus. Mm -hmm. She became the only super middleweight, undisputed super middleweight champion. I'm sorry, I'm all tongue-tied here. She became the only undisputed super middleweight champion among female fighters in a 50-50 fight, and she did it in a showcase performance. This was the fight where she moved all the way past being Clarissa Shields, you know, pro debut opponent, where she made her pro debut herself, where she had that, you know, rough uh, fight with um, Alejandra Jimenez, which was overturned. She's now proven her championship credentials. So when people start talking about a rematch with Caressa Shields, this is going to be the night where we say, you know what? Franchon Cruz deserves someone that she earned her respect and she's going to earn the right to, to fight Clarissa Shields again one day. She's my female fighter of the half year. Yeah, that was a great one. I mean, she's just won convincingly too. And she had to wait a long time for that fight, Franchon Cruz. Yes, and I got, it was it was part of that thriller Tiafimo Lopez spider web. She was supposed to fight in 2020. <laughs> so she had to just keep going with that and stay focused. And then she got the shine on, on the biggest stage. So that's a good shout. Uh, Franchon Cruz is a great person too. She's a real ambassador uh, for women's boxing. Rob, who's your and female? Go ahead. Good, Jake. I'm but not to interrupt you. Ahead, okay, I was going to say, not to interrupt you, the shame of it was when they were supposed to fight last year, that fight was supposed to take place before Canelo and Caleb planned. So she would have been the first female undisputed champion at super middleweight, male or female. 
There you go. Another reason why. Right. Uh, Rob, your female fighter of the year? Yeah, I think uh, just to, to echo what Jake said there about Francis Cruz Desert, and what a great fight that was, by the way, against Sidorus. Uh Blood and guts, and you know that's that's what you want an undisputed fight to be. You know, real back and forth momentum shifts. You know, big shots landed from the opening bell. So shout out Francis Cruz Desert. But for me, it has to be Katie Taylor. Um, Katie Taylor. I picked Amanda Serrano to win the fight. I felt like Katie Taylor had been. I don't want to say on the slide, but it seemed better days. Of course, she had, you know, a vast amateur career. She'd fought a very, very high level as a professional. And I just felt like the aggression of Amanda Serrano when Katie Taylor's legs slowed down would be the ultimate deciding factor. And that's what we saw um, in those middle rounds. I thought Taylor early on in the fight controlled the distance really well. Her boxing skills, the natural size being a kind of a fully fledged lightweight now as a pro. She was able to just just to offset and just touch Amanda and just keep moving, touch and keep moving. But those middle rounds were were unbelievable. I mean, Katie has this dog in her where she, she did. I mean, I, I think part of it was Amanda forcing her to. And the other part of it was the feet maybe aren't as quick anymore. And she decided to have a fight and she almost got knocked out. She was gone. There was an excuse for the referee to stop the fight. If the corner would have pulled her out of the fight, I don't think anybody could have had any complaints. But what she had to do in that fight, and I actually also scored it a draw, Jake, so you're not alone there. Um, I, I felt that. Taylor's performance in the last few rounds of that fight was unbelievable. She had, I mean, forget all of her, her amateur accolades and what she's, she's performed and what she's achieved as a pro. It was all kind of on that night. It, you've both mentioned it. I'm very, very envious of the fact that I wasn't there at the fight. Um, I, I was watching it at home, but, um, but it was that big showcase, that big spectacle that women's boxing really, really needed. And, you know, you can have Jake Paul and Eddie Hearn. You can have the drums and the dancing and the music at the weigh-in. But ultimately, those women have to get in there and they have to perform. And boy, did they perform. It was a brilliant fight. It was a fantastic advertisement for, for boxing. I mean, I know it's kind of vogue to say it's not women's boxing, but it's boxing. This really did fit in that for me. And Katie Taylor, how she dug it out is unbelievable to me. I had it a draw live when I went back and watched it. I did feel that Taylor just nicked it by getting back on her boxing. Maybe Amanda Serrano kind of punched herself out. Of course, not a natural lightweight. I think her best days or her best weight, optimum weight is around 126 pounds, which is she's obviously returning to. But Katie Taylor really had to go deep, deep, deep into the well when she performed. And, and for me, she just edges out Amanda Serrano um, even on the, on the back of that loss. Uh, and of course, Franchon Cruz deserved by getting that undisputed title on the undercard. But for me, Katie Taylor is the female fighter of the year and, and what a way to do it. And uh, whenever that rematch happens, you know, bring it on and I'd love to see it again. And hopefully I don't have to sit here with, uh, with NBA listening to you guys talking about being ringside so I can get out there for it. But yeah, Katie Taylor for me. Yeah, it was virtuoso. The fact that she was able to do that after that, was it the fourth or fifth round where I thought she was done for? And to show that championship medal and, and, you know, just the culmination of her career, you know, obviously such a big star overseas uh, in Ireland. Hopefully she can get a home a homecoming fight, whether it's against Cyborg, uh, whoever it's against. She deserves a homecoming fight in Ireland, as we know, with the Daniel Kinahan stuff. I mean, she might be able to return uh, to Ireland. But what a night for Katie Taylor. What a, a year it's been so far. And it's it, it's going to shape up to be for women's boxing. Uh, I, I said it's a revolutionary year for women's boxing. The three biggest fights you could possibly make in the sport are all going to happen this year. So 
Uh, I love what I'm, we're seeing from from the, the women and that we need them in boxing. It's a very important. Uh, so shout out to Katie Taylor. Shout out to all the, the women that are the women champions in, in the game today. And, and fighters like Sky Nicholson, too, doing uh, really important yeah. things for Australia boxing, fighting like four or five times in like 90 days. Uh, so bo- women's boxing on the rise. All right, male fighter of the year. I went back and forth between two fighters. Uh, Bam Rodriguez, just because he has fought twice <laughs> already in the first six months of the year, and he's beaten some Carlos Quadras, and he's beaten Saul Rungvisai, and he's done it in dominating fashion. But to me, my 2022 fighter of the year is Dimitri Bivol. Uh, if you can beat Canelo Alvarez for the first time in eight years, uh, you could do it convincingly. Rob, it was your moment of the year. Uh, Dimitri Bivol is my uh, halfway point. Uh, fighter leaders can certainly change. There are a lot of fighters that fought already in, in the first six months of the year, but the most impressive win in the first six months to me was Dimitri Bivol systematically breaking down uh, Canelo. So, therefore, he is my halfway point uh, fighter of the year. Jake Donovan, who is your male fighter of the year? I was hoping to go to Rob before me. Um, I, I'm, surprised, <laughs> I'm surprised you only had it down to two. I'm actually – usually I try to limit it to five – and then pick from there. I'm like six or seven deep on this list. Wow. So I'm with you on, I mean, t- you know, the two wins he had, especially beating Sorong Vasai, who's like, I know we talk about the Fab Four. Those two are like third and fourth on that list, even though Sorong Vasai has the two wins over Chocolatito. I feel like Estrada and Chocolatito is still the class of the division now with Bam right behind them. But I mean, it's, you, yeah, it's just unbelievable the things he's doing at his young age and at a weight that's really not natural. He grew into the 115 pound division. And is doing this, which puts him very high on this list. Errol Spence coming all the way back to look like the best welterweight in the world doing what he did against uh, Dennis Ugas. Devin Haney, you know, overcoming everything, go to Australia to pretty much pitch almost a shutout against uh, George Cambosis, you know, losing the rounds only where he just basically took off. Um, I, weirdly, like, I, I love what Bebo did against Canelo. I know he was the underdog. I'm still, I go back to that fight, and it's like the, the risk was always Canelo going to 175, not a natural weight class for him. And, Bivol kind of, you know, reminding the world that he's at worst the second best light heavyweight in the world. I'm actually stuck between Jamel Charlo and Shakur Stevenson as my fighter of the year. So I'm going to go with Shakur. I think um, maybe it was just my own bias. I expected Oscar Valdez to do a lot more in that fight. I just love that Shakur is just, you know, continually proving people wrong. There was always the whispers that he had this potential to be a pound for pound star. And he's he completely shut down Jamel Herring. And yet, if you want to make the argument that Herring is past his prime, Oscar Valdez most certainly is not. He's in the heart of his career. You know, he was coming off, you know, two fights away from his, you know, the, a, a breakout performance against Miguel Buchelt. And Shakur just made it look like he's number one and there, there shouldn't even be a number two at 130. So I have him, Jamel, and Evil, one, two, and three. I'm going to go with Shakur Stevenson. That's fair. Uh, Rob, who does your male fighter of the year? Uh, well, I, I agree with everything that's been said so far. Uh, while it was my moment of the year, Dimitri Bivol beating Canelo, because of the furor that surrounded that, and obviously going in, it was Golovkin, and it was going to be this, and it was going to be that, and, and he really did turn the, the boxing world on its head. I actually thought he would beat Canelo. I felt like the fight would go pretty much how it went. Um, I don't often get many rights, so I'm going to claim that one. Um, so it, while a great moment and my moment of the year, and, you know, he deserves, obviously, a lot of credit for beating Canelo Alvarez. That isn't what's going to get him my fighter of the half year. It was actually, I actually felt that this was quite an easy one for me to answer. Um, I agree with what Jake said about three and four. But for me, Bam Rodriguez to jump up from 108 to 115 
And, you know, he, he had moments in the Quadras fight where you could just tell Quadras, who was somebody who's very, very experienced, very strong at the weight, physical, had his moments in the fight, but it was still a brilliant win. To jump two weight classes and, and get that win was fantastic. And then this past weekend against Sarissa Ketzel Rungvisai, he was just phenomenal. I mean, I, th- I felt like he would win the fight, but I didn't expect him to beat Srisiket up. I-, I felt like he would start fast, kind of similar to the Quadras fight, have a lot of success early on, and Srisiket's natural heavy-handedness would come into the middle rounds, which I think at, at times he kind of threatened to. He landed the heavier blows, but Bam was just able to kick it into a new gear. And for me, those two wins in a, in a weight class that isn't your natural weight class... And the manner of particularly the Srisaket or Rungvasai fight have him as my fighter of the year so far, fighter of the half year. I thought he was absolutely sensational this past weekend. I felt that that is pretty much a, as good a performance as he could have put in. I mean, yeah, he could have maybe not got touched in the, in some of those middle rounds where Srisaket was able to land some of his heavier blows, but also in a way you kind of want to see him get hit by somebody who can punch and somebody who's big and strong at the weight he will have to go and beat uh, Juan Francisco Estrada or Chocolatito to, to ultimately solidify himself as number one at 115, or if he comes back to 112, we don't know. But I wouldn't back against him based on his last two performances at 115 pounds. In my opinion, he beats both Estrada and Chocolatito if he boxes them next, or if he boxes them in the, in the next six to 12 months. I think he wins those. But those two... Those two wins in the space of six months or, or coming up to six months of, of 2022 have him as my my fighter of the half year. Shout out Shakur Stevenson. I, I, I did feel that Oscar Valdez was somewhat tailor-made for him. Um, I felt that a lot of the issues that Robson Conte Sal gave Oscar Valdez, Shakur was going to be able to do and then some. And I feel like that's what we saw on the night. Um, I was very impressed, as I mentioned earlier, with Jamel's adjustments against Brian Castaño. But for me, to the, the kind of the brashness and the balls on Rodriguez to jump two weight classes, beat Padras handily, and then really put a performance in against Sarissa Ketzel Rungvasai has him as, as my fighter of the half year so far. Yeah, Bam Rodriguez landed 66% of his power shots for Saul Rungvasai. Landed 14 jabs per round. He limited Rungvasai to 28 punches over the final three rounds. That's all facets of the game. Landing your jab, landing your power shots, and defense – Fought two times this year, could fight a third time. We'll see what his third fight of the year is, uh, whether it's some type of, of mandatory obligation, whether he goes for one of these big guys and, or big little guys at, at 115. Uh, it's a it's a fighter of the year. you got to fight twice. That's the, the yeah. schedule we're seeing from fighters. It, it could be a lot of – there's been some great performances is what I'm trying to get at over the first half of the year. So if, if Spence – can beat Ugas and Crawford, he puts himself in the discussion big time. You know, Shakur Stevenson, what he's facing Kinsaysal, uh, that's not as, as big as of a win as what we're going to see uh, from Spence. Uh, if Jermel Charlo fights uh, Fondora next, if he can beat a, a Castaño and a Fondora in one calendar year, see, that's where fight of the year comes down to. It's like what you did in the first half and also what you did in the second half, but there's no denying there were some really, really good performances. Uh, maybe could have easily had a performance of the year uh, award in, in this too, but so far, Bam Rodriguez, you can make a case for him. You know, two fights uh, already. He's going to have a third fight in the year. Uh, last year, we saw Canelo fight, what, four times? It was like almost, you almost had to give it uh, to him. So it's an open-ended uh, award, as all these are. Uh, Fighter of the Year is the most prestigious award that you can give out in, in the sport. So you can make you can make a case for a lot of these guys. Uh, you can make a case for a lot. We're going to see in the second half. 
of 2022. This was a lot of fun, guys. Uh, it's been a great year. I think one thing that we can come up from all this and the summary of this of this chat is that a lot of action has been packed into six months. It's almost like a full year has already happened. We'll see what happens at the end the rest of this summer. Uh, it's not. I feel like the summer schedule isn't exactly lining up what we saw this this spring, but things usually pick up in the fourth quarter uh, of the boxing year from September to you know the, the final day of the year. It's been an awesome year. Uh, your final takeaways on the year, we'll start with you on the first six months, Jake, and what you expect in the second half. Yeah, I mean, the, the first six months, I, I feel like we're finally in a good trend. We're like, every, you know, ever since the pandemic, it's like we're, we're getting the fights we deserve. And every year we keep saying, wow, this is the best year. You know, this is the best time for the sport. And it's continuing to climb upward. You know, the sport is finding ways to to elevate and, you know, finally get back to the fans after, you know, years of just like, God, this is what we're getting. You know, we get these good moments in an otherwise miserable year and all these fights that aren't happening. We're finally getting you can't you can no longer say that the best aren't fighting the best. We have more undisputed and, you know unified champions than ever before and more to come so um are we doing the bold prediction here as well or are we getting to that oh, you can give you a bold prediction go ahead lay it on it okay so my bold it, it kind of piggyback off you know so bam rodriguez is a terrific pick for a half fighter of the year so i'm going to make the bold prediction that he's going to find a way to fight four times this year wow. he's going to fight julio cesar martinez at 112 and pick up that title and finally get rid of i love el rey but that dude's credit is exhausted then he's going to beat Junto Nakatani to become the unified champion at flyweight. And will be, even if Errol Spence fights and beats Terrence Crawford, there will be no argument against Bam Rodriguez for being the D fighter of the year for 2022. Bold. Rob, what do you think of that? Well, I mean, it'd be difficult to argue with that if he was if he was going to get those two fights in. I think, yeah, he will be boxing uh, Julio Cesar Martinez next, uh, most likely on the Canelo Golovkin three undercard. Uh, but if he goes and meets Junto Nakatani after that, I mean, you know, he, he saves some for next year. But, um, but no, just to echo what Jake said there, I mean, we've all kind of suffered in various different ways um, during the pandemic. What do people like to do to, to you know, as a distraction? You like your sport, your hobby. Um, and we've unfortunately not always been able to do that, whether there's been a lockdown and there's been no boxing or for one reason or another fights have been delayed due to COVID or, you know, you need, you need a crowd. You can't do it here. You can't do it there. It feels like the first six months or certainly the earlier part of 2022, we were treated to some great fights, more unified champions than ever. Undisputed this big fights, big, big arena fights. It was nice um, over in the UK, of course. I mean, as America as well, hit very bad with COVID. Seeing a big event with 90,000 plus people was fantastic. And it's great for the sport to boxing is a sport that requires those big showcase events, uh, whether it's a, a Las Vegas fight night or, or a big stadium fight or a new a boxing over in Japan. You know, I think boxing really needs that more of the same in the second half of 2022. If we don't get Crawford versus Spence, then we riot. Uh, we, we don't want boxing to rest on its laurels in the first half of 2022. Now is the time to make that fight. It would be the perfect level of, uh, of marination. I think any longer than that, you know, we've seen in the last couple of years, you know, Errol Spence has had injuries. He's had the car accident, you know, Crawford, who knows, could jump up to 154 and we may never get to see that fight. So I really want to see that fight. If nothing else in the second half of 2022, I still believe it's the best fight in boxing, closely followed by Dmitry Bivol versus Artur Baturbiev. My bold prediction, I'm not sure it's that bold. I do feel like Canelo Alvarez will stop Gennady Golovkin. Um, and it, it was something that I felt after watching Golovkin versus Sergei Drevianchenko, that the next time he boxed an elite 
fighter he would most likely dropped. Um, and that's no disrespect to Ryota Morata. Obviously, Golovkin got a good win over him, but Morata himself was very, very inactive. And, you know, how, you know, with respect to him, how good was he anyway? Um, I do feel that the added edge of Canelo Alvarez, um, coupled with, of course, Gennady Golovkin's age, whether it's a bold pick or not, I, I do see that happening. I do see um, Canelo Alvarez stopping Gennady Golovkin. I know he's never been hurt. I know he's never been down in 400 fights as an amateur and as a professional. But you cannot beat Father Time as great as Gennady Golovkin has been. I just see Canelo getting to him, working the body, and maybe finishing up with a headshot um, wow. and, and knocking out Gennady Golovkin. All right. Yeah. One uh, to put a bow on this whole conversation. In past years, a Canelo Triple G fight would be the main attraction of the year. It would be everything we're building up for. This year, it kind of feels like a throw-in. It feels like a supplemental fight because we're getting such big fights, compelling fights at every weight class, undisputed. I think we have 17 uh, fights that were either unified uh, or undisputed with f fighters defending belts or two champions facing off against each other. So the fact that a, a mega event like Canelo and Triple G, any other year it would be the crowning achievement of the boxing schedule this year it's like oh uh, maybe i'll watch some, some fans are saying maybe i'll watch i know we'll all be watching that's what fans say all the time and when fight night comes around uh we'll be seeing that but what a first six months it's been here's the hoping that the next six months are just as good so we can circle back in december and do our yearly award i think we have to keep this panel together this has to be yeah. six months from now December. Yeah. We'll have to keep this we'll have to revisit it. We'll take a, a look at our bold predictions, see how ridiculous they are. And uh yeah, that's pretty much it. I appreciate the time, fellas. Uh this was uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I think the fans will enjoy it, putting a bow on what has been a great first six months. Thank you very much, Jake Donovan, and thank you, Rob Tebbett. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thanks very much for having us, and I hope everybody enjoyed the chat. Absolutely.